This is Christy Peterson Schoonover, author of Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, Tales from Haunted Disney World, and there's no wilder e-ticket ride than Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It is sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. It is TalkCast 135. It's Atomic Zombie Night here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in the Area 51, sub-level 14 faux cinema and toenail decorating emporium with enough shotgun shells to keep all them little bastards at bay. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are the usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, Violent Soundboard Vixen and Killer of the Undead, Queen of the Arrows, Kriana. Queen of the Arrows. Interesting well, choice. Yeah. Thank you. From the stacks in her personal silent zone of the dank dungeon reading room, the evil scientist herself. We think it's her fault the zombies happened. It's the Sombrarian. Did you get us mixed up tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, he must have just now because you were talking instead of me. Shut those children Oh, up. this is becoming an arrowing experience. This is not a family-friendly show. <laughs> From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the flesh-eating penciler himself, Illustrator X. I don't want the world. I just want your half. And his lovely ingenue shuffling her way into our hearts and slowly ripping them out, the dead redhead. I'm one of the surfing dead. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Our guest tonight joining us for the full hour is the director of Attack of the Atomic Zombies, the official film of Boston Comic-Con 2012, Tony Diana. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, you may not say that later, but what the hell, we'll hold you to it for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell. Uh, something will tell, and we'll probably get <laughs> it, throw it in a bag and throw it in the river. In any case. <laughs> is that what you did to your first wife? Quiet, quiet, quiet. Oh! Shh. Thanks for playing the game. You know, normally, normally we start someplace, but today I'd like to start with Sombrarian. Darling, you have something to talk about tonight. I do. I'm so excited. I just found out about it right before the show. I heard you squee all the way here in Area 51. I am. So... Long story long. <laughs> <laughs> the very first movie rated above G that I was ever allowed to see was Hook, starring Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams. And the best character in Hook, without any doubt, besides Maggie Smith's character, because Maggie Smith's character in anything is always the best character. The best character is Rufio, 
who's the leader of the Lost Boys. And he might be getting his own movie. Not the actor. The actor's doing stuff. Um, like, actual acting stuff, I guess. That's cool and all. But Rufio, there, um, there is a film that is attempting to get funding that's Rufio's backstory. And there's going to be mohawks, and there's going to be bangerang, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm so excited I can barely talk about it. Um, Obviously. Now, um, why do we care? Because most people who listen to the show are cooler than Illustrator X. Oh! oh! Bangerang! Wow. Cool is defined as watching. The fact that you do not appreciate Hook X is is very sad to me. The creepy Maggie children Smith agree with is you. In it. <laughs> Maggie Smith is in this movie, and you dare to question it. Yeah, but yes. okay, you've got to balance so up Julia Roberts. No, no, no. Ew, you've got to Julia Roberts and her. Yeah, but she's not in it much. True. She's Tink. Okay, so I mean, yeah, the character's cool. This sounds like a great project. Sounds like it could be, you know, one of those really interesting oddball little backsto- uh, backstory stories. And it sounds interesting. And I'm glad it's got your mind because you're going to follow it for us and keep us informed of its goings on. Oh, I... Sci-fi is not the one doing it, is it? No. no it's uh, <laughs> actually, it's based on a script, apparently, that according to the the really well-researched io9 article (laughs) in college they wrote this script and performed it as a musical and then they were going to take it to broadway but they lost their insurance um and then mommy made them stay home (laughs) yeah and so now they're gonna now they're gonna do it as a movie instead i'm excited okay X is not. That's we will okay. have we will duke it out in the parking lot later. I, so again, he was that I'm right. He was which generic Spielberg kid with the lights and the wind machine on him? Oh my God, <laughs> the just... one with the mohawk, X. The one with the mohawk, but not the mohawk guy from Road Warrior, which would actually be a cool character. Okay, uh, dead redhead. Yes. Hit him. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> I love the way that works every time. Why don't I don't have a slap. You know what? Since everyone's is obviously in a downer kind of a mood today, Tony. we can talk about my other story. Tony, oh. just get yourself some popcorn. It's going to take a while. <laughs> so, all over the UK, because of Harry Potter, people were adopting owls. Oh, why are we talking about this? You should never, ever adopt an exotic pet based on how they're depicted in a book or movie. No, you're and not now they're to... all being abandoned, so you are terrible people if you adopted an owl based on Harry Potter. <laughs> can I can I cut in for a second? The ex and I actually went to a workshop about owls here in wherever we are in the, the manch verse, and 
Actually, they were very clear about that. In the United States, you're not allowed to adopt an owl, actually. You have to get uh, go through a class, and you have to get all these permits and everything, and you have to be able to help them to get back to health in case something's wrong with them. Those are the only people allowed to, to really adopt them. Yep. So that's not good. And in the UK, they're legal as pets. One, uh, but one owl sanctuary in Wales, um, on average, before Harry Potter, the Harry Potter phenomenon happened, had about six owls at the time, and now they have over a hundred. Oh. So, and they're having trouble taking care of them. So, if you have some extra charity money, no, donate, no. donate, save the owls, just let them go free. Owls sanctuaries no that's even worse because a lot of them aren't um native species oh that's bad people actually. people are just let it, and uh, they're that's saying bad, that actually people okay. who are so, giving them very sanctuaries cool. are more so people are incredibly stupid yeah people who yeah. are giving them to sanctuaries are more okay. um responsible because a lot of people are just letting them go oh. Oh. okay oh. People, people human people stop being stupid cut give it out. a hoot <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. In, in other Harry Potter news. by the end of the show. Thank you. Just keep hitting him. It'll be fine. In other Harry Potter news, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, mm. who you may remember was Harry Potter, is now linked <laughs> to. Didn't he also have sex with a horse? Sh sh yes, he did. Yeah. But that's and a whole other he's story. also in Harry Potter and the Haunted House. Oh, yeah. And he's no, also being linked. To Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, that's too bad. No, no, it isn't. Why? He can't act. Oh no, no, no! First of all, Pinocchio—they're now saying—is being co-produced by the Henson Company. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I guess this time being wooden is actually a virtue. There you go. And that felt good. <laughs> Del Toro, who originally was just going to produce it, is now going to direct it as well. Mm. And the other person who Del Toro is courting to be in the cast is Christopher Walken. Oh okay, my this is gonna be god! Basically the best movie ever. Wait, that's going to be this... terrifyingly awful. No, that's going to be what terrifying. Are you, what are you cool. thinking? When... When we put this up on the website, it'll be Guillermo del Toro courting Christopher Walken. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it should be. Obviously. Or cowbell. I, I can, I, yeah, Sci-Fi Saturday have... Night is how rumors get started. <laughs> uh, Speaking more. of rumors like that, X, what is this about oh. all those comics? Oh, God, okay, it's time for Gay Superhero Outing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> brings us this week's edition of Who's the Gay Superhero This Week in the Marvel Universe? Oh, oh, it's more than Oh, I bet it's Hawkeye. No? <laughs> Was it really? Did it's I just do than... that again, guys? <laughs> Seriously? Was it really Hawkeye? Anyway. What? I don't know if you're serious <laughs> or not. Leather. Was it really oh Hawkeye? No, it's not okay. really Hawkeye. No, it is we not Hawkeye. Know, we don't not know. Week, anyway. But well, first yeah, of all, I think Marvel every week is outing another gay character. Is that the way <laughs> it So that by the Except end Except it's of... DC this week, so Actually, let X tell the story. Wait, okay. wait, wait, X. Okay, well, first of all, uh, Marvel and uh, 
PR coup I've never seen before. They had Whoopi Goldberg announce on The View <laughs> that everyone should go buy this X-Men comic because uh, this character, Northstar, who was in Alpha Flight, Canada's premier superhero team. <laughs> Do they have a canoe? Uh, he, they, they outed that character back in the early 90s, um, but he's getting married. In a big X Men issue, and it's all a gala affair, and Aww. I know that's nice. And it that is nice. Name. You guys couldn't hear it because I was muted because I was typing, but I went <gasps> when I heard that that news. I <laughs> yeah. did a I did a gasp. Yeah. They're so, even on the cover. So the whole thing with North Star getting married, it's like you know, fine, whatever. It's in continuity. The, the character's been out a while, whatever. So DC, not to be outdone. Dun, dun, dun. Right on the heels of that, it says, oh, oh, yeah? Well, one of our characters is gay, too. And it's a big one. It's a major one. Which now, what one? I find really funny, they haven't announced who it is yet, but every <laughs> single website that has picked this up has put a picture of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it would make a certain and amount of sense. My money is, I'm going to put money on Aquaman for this one. because <sighs> That would be a call, <laughs> X, they said a major character. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, hello. <laughs> Can't get much bigger than the Super Friends, okay? Maybe, maybe they'll. Maybe it's a superhero whose powers work on land. Maybe okay. they'll try to go the other angle and they'll out Diana, uh, you know, Wonder Woman. Ooh. Wait, wow. do you do you yet? think she's gay? Oh. I don't know. Well, ask Steve Trevor. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I always thought Catwoman was kind of gay. Yeah, that was yeah. Kyle. Maybe no. it was. Just gone through too many guys. Uh, interesting uh. historical fact about Batman, if you like. Uh, back <laughs> in the seventies, he actually ran around in a rainbow-colored outfit. That's yes. true. Yeah. Well, they have they have proof rainbow to back it Batman. up. Batman. Oh, good call. <laughs> he could have actually, at that point, been one of the uh, village people, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I think actually he was. Yeah, it was the fireman, it was the cop, and Batman. You're right, it was. Yeah, <laughs> if you look hard oh, enough know, and you squint. There was that issue of All-Star Superman where they just had a little two-page thing of, oh, God, we got to get him out of here. Why? Superman's been exposed to pink kryptonite. And he's, just, <laughs> he's, he's at the Daily Planet going, you know, Jimmy, I, I really like your bow tie. Because <laughs> bow ties are cool. <laughs> By the way, so, Matt Smith kind of gay, I think. Matt Smith, yeah, just and have to see you. Apparently, so is uh, Jim uh, Parsons from Big Bang. Oh, oh really? Funny. Nobody saw that coming. Wow. Yeah, I know. I don't think that was too big of a surprise. I'm telling you right now, could have knocked me over with a feather when I heard that. Because because his chemistry with Amy Farrah Fowler is so intense. <laughs> oh, TV's blossom! I love you. I really do. I think she's phenomenal. I she could. Is. She's so funny. But the the way they interact, you could just tell it was love at first yeah. sight. It was it was lust. Yes, it was raw animal lust happening. Right. They there. have such a hard time acting as Sheldon and Amy. <laughs> Wait, is she gay? No, yep. maybe. Uh, no, I think she's married. In fact, to a dude. Are you sure? Yeah. You have to clarify that now. 
Yeah. So in other news that and Mayo we, and, we, and we here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night endorse gay marriage. Yep. We're like the president no. that yes, way. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like the first lady. One of many ways that we're like the president of the United States. <laughs> I have no huh? idea where you're going with that, They're but it scares in... the crap out of me. We're available in North Carolina, whether you like it or not. <laughs> What's going you know, on? Am I high? Teacher, gentlemen, John DeLance... John DeLancey. DeLancey is a brony. Can you make sure you... Are you, you... kidding wait, me? Wait a minute. I thought you said you had news. <laughs> John yeah. DeLance is actually Oh the my fourth. god! DeLancey! Can you, like, look at his name and then read it correctly? <laughs> we are never gonna be able to have him on the show. And I no. like him, so I kind of want to have him on the show. So okay, so we've got a running tally of celebs just from this episode. <laughs> we'll never be on the never show. Never be on the show. Tony, we're gonna quiz you on that later. Yes, absolutely. Remember, remember that time I posted a video of him reading The Raven, and it was amazing. Yes. Yeah, well, we need to find the video of him in My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic, where he was the voice of Discord. Yeah, he's like a recurring character. You didn't know that? That's not actual news. I had no idea. Uh, he was uh, he was at a convention two weeks ago at Dallas Comic Con, and as part of his panel, he was talking about the symbiotic relationship between My Little Pony and Gene Roddenberry's notion for a better future for mankind in Star Trek. Awesome! Sounds fun. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm dead serious, and so was he. Good That's the cool thing. He sounds like an inspiring gentleman. So what I'm going to do is, uh, in, in the show notes this week, I'm going to post the interview, post the link to the interview. And there's also a uh, a video in there as well of John Delancey's voice as Discord in My Little Pony. Oh, man. And, it, and I didn't realize it was him. Until you close your eyes and you go, oh, my God, it's him. <laughs> Does that mean we have to listen to My Little Pony? Oh, my God, yes, you know to... who should do voice work for that? Um, um, Bernadette Cumberpatch. <laughs> 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 Wouldn't she make a great My Little Pony? Oh my God, she... she would pony! be the best My Little Pony. Either that or Smurfette. <laughs> I keep thinking of her as Smurfette. There's no way around it. No, she could be in the Ew. new Care Bears thing, which looks absolutely terrifying. The new Care Bears? <laughs> yeah, it's all like 3D CG. Oh, it's coming okay. out soon. I don't remember when because I don't have the news in front of me. But I saw <laughs> it, and as one of the biggest fans of Care Bears ever, I cried. What, Tony? But wait until they come out with Teddy Ruxpin in the movie. Oh. No! That would be a horror film. That's terrifying. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> Unfortunately. You should make that, Tony. <laughs> a film about a about a Teddy Ruxpin, and it doesn't even need to be possessed or anything. Well, wait. I I always wanted Teddy Ruxpin to fight Snuggle. That, oh, that oh damn gosh. laundry bear. That would be epic! But old Snuggle, not new Snuggle. Because new Snuggle's kind of a wimp. 
Old so Snuggle was creepy. Old was Snuggle was, was like crawling out of your laundry basket like, hello, yes. children. Yeah. And he would like crawl down, he would like crawl around <laughs> the laundry room and fall into the laundry basket. Yeah. That shit was scary. Yeah. <laughs> Old it Snuggle was... Speaking of Paddington Bear coming with the AK-47s to break up the fight. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. Paddington is a good guy. That's that's a given. <laughs> exactly. And, and they can feast on the brains of Curious George. Seems good to me. All right. <laughs> and Corduroy, and he'll be like, yeah. where's my button, bitches? Oh, here it is. Your <laughs> <laughs> holocaust. Bam. Oh. Sci-Fi well. Network presents The Bear Witch Project. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to take this one level further, you can go down to the ghetto. They have to get some information. There's Eeyore on the street with a needle in his arm. Oh! Oh dear! Oh. We'll help you make that one. If you need some, to- if you need some help, Tony, just tell us. Just, Man, just let us know, Tony. It. We're in for this. Absolutely. Oh God! Where, they, where the hell do we go now? <laughs> Into the bad segue noise. It's gonna be there bad no matter go. what you do. So. Yeah. My bad. Hey, I just wanted to give a shout out. Uh, this past weekend, I went to Nauticon. Oh, Were you no. naughty? Oh, he was. Uh, he was. I love Dead Redhead. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. Um, but as listeners know, we interviewed uh, uh, Pam and Mary from Nauticon uh, a few weeks back, and uh, they had their premiere show this past weekend in Provincetown, Mass. And I got to say, that was one of the best times I have ever had at a convention. I, oh my god. So, I, Illustrator X, did you mistakenly walk into a club with lots of flashy lights and did somebody hand you a little white pill? <laughs> just, I and, and then a ring pop? I have a lot of people who are mad at me because they're like, what do you mean you don't want to go into town? I'm like, I am perfectly happy in this hotel. Thank you very much. There's the beach. Here's the sci-fi panels. I've got a margarita. I'm happy. And they're like, yeah, but we're going to go to all the drag clubs. You have fun. <laughs> oh, boy. I was fine. But having said that. That's the story you're going to stick to, is it? <laughs> that's the story I'm going to stick to. But no, it was a really, really great show. And uh, I'm hoping to get some of the people from there on on the show as guests in the near future. And uh, Pam, Mary, you did good. Good show. Congratulations. Looking forward to next year. Oh there we go. <laughs> if they were here, they would probably say thank you. So, on their behalf. And, uh, oh. oh, well, they're going to thank me that way. <laughs> That's the slapping. <laughs> oh, man, now I need to find a new slapping X noise. <laughs> How about this? Oh. Oh, so phasers for arrest. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> So while, while X was busy in Provincetown at uh, Naughty Con, a uh, funny thing was happening at the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, the ashes of James Doohan were sent into space on the first commercial space flight to actually haul from the Earth to the space station. Um, well, it yeah. actually hasn't gotten to the space station. They haven't docked with the space station. They yet. haven't docked yet. Their, yeah, their but... mission is to dock with the space station, but they haven't actually done it yet, as far as I know. Right. So you're saying it hauled ash? It hauled oh. ash. Wow, that was oh. funny. <laughs> hey! 
Well, is anyone uh, safe from the wrath of Khan tonight? Evidently not. <laughs> Cumberpatch. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and, of course, while X was down at Nauticon, Domini did go see Dark Shadows. Oh, God, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. Okay, Hello. so, so we, how we did you... We wrote our reviews, uh, so you people can go see our, our full reviews when they're up. Oh, I, I think they deserve a little taste of how much you really, really enjoyed the film. I thought it was blah. I'm sorry. There were moments and there were pieces for the real hardcore fans. There were pieces like when the water just crashed itself into the rocks that was supposed to be at the bottom of Widow's Hill and we had Widow's Hill and we had the Blue Whale and we had Colin Wood and... Um, we had some of the, the music, the original music kind of seeped through here and there, but a lot of it was blah. So how do you feel about it? Yeah, exactly. Blah. See, blah. now, I, 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 by the same token, I kind of liked it, and here's why. Because Dome likes bad movies, generally. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't a great In movie. In your opinion? No. It wasn't a great movie. I, you know, this was not Gone with the Wind. This was not 2001. This was not, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This this was a, a B movie. It, it, there were some real problems with the movie, and I'll grant you that. There were some real problems with the movie. The biggest problem with the movie is it didn't know what it was. Was it going to be a dramatic horror film that was kind of funny? Was it going to be a funny film that was kind of dramatic horror? And it ended up being neither. I completely well, agree. Also, also into switching the werewolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did switch the werewolf. And the werewolf and... coming out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, on the other hand, the cinematography was exquisite. Oh, it was pretty. No. But the, the writing, the writing reminded me a lot of, there was a, um, help me, was it Korean horror movie host? Was yes. it Korean? Korean. There's a uh, Korean horror movie, monster movie called The Host. And it had the same problem. It started to get really funny. The beginning was really, really funny. And we were all laughing and having a really good time watching it. And then suddenly it turned very, very serious, like without any warning. And right. it left you don't, kind what of the hell? feeling right. icky. <laughs> now, the other thing that I thought was really good was, you know, you, you had some problems with the soundtrack. I thought No, Elfman, I love the soundtrack. I thought Elfman did an incredible job with the, the original music, uh, interweaving new music with a lot of the old themes from the original series. But the soundtrack, you know, the, the, the exterior part of the soundtrack, you know, to set you in the 70s, I thought was outstanding. Oh, I agree. I, I love the music. I said I so, love the music. So, I mean, you know, there were, there were good parts. There were bad parts. I think there were more good parts than bad parts. That doesn't make it a great movie. But I wasn't as blah about it as you were. I get why you were. You were a fan of the old series. You know, that, and that's what you were looking for. Something more of homage to it than that. And me, well, no, not, I, not I so much. If it was over the top. I th if he would have made it over the top ridiculous funny... I would have taken it that way. Or if he was going to make the homage, then make it way over the top to an homage so that, that would have been okay too. it was funny. 
Right. But it didn't well, the, do either know, of those. And, and Johnny I, Depp just didn't worry. And I, we all know how much I have a, a complete lust for Johnny Depp. And it didn't <laughs> work. I mean, yeah, the one thing was, that was missing from uh, Dark Shadows was the um, dubbed over inner monologues. Yes. Yeah. And we the didn't have the... And I'm sorry, Roger didn't drink anywhere near enough. Roger was famous <laughs> for he he was never on scene without a drink in his hand. And yeah. Roger wasn't drinking, and well, David wasn't the little shit that he usually was in the television David show. David was actually a nice character. In he this. was a nice kid. It's like who'd this kid come from? If I had this family, I wouldn't be nice. I mean, <laughs> oh, can, can I burn one more bridge before we get off this? Yes. I need to burn one last bridge. Okay. Jackie Earl Haley. What the hell is he doing in this movie? He, Wait a minute. Know, wasn't wasn't he yeah. the guy who played what's his face on that show? Yes, he, he was. was. Wow. He was yeah. Rorschach. He, he was Alan. No, no I know. Exactly. No, I, I meant so- Human Target. <laughs> yes. In the second season of Human Target, he uh. was the enforcer guy. Yeah, that was Jackie Earl. Oh, Haley. that's not who I was thinking of. I was thinking of no. um. The little guy with the glasses. Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. Jackie Earl Haley. That's oh, him. well, he was in all the seasons of Human Target. I don't think he was in the first one, but that's okay. He was. And he was he was Rorschach in the in... Watchmen movie. Oh, was he? Right. Why the but hell he did he good. do that? I thought he was really good as Well, that. I mean, Rorschach but... was the only passable character in that entire film, but... He was... And I, I he just can't... Anybody in Dark Shadows. Anybody could have done that role. It was so poorly written. It was useless. I couldn't figure out what he was doing in the film. I couldn't figure out why he was in the film. Do you need I a reason to put time, him in a film, though? I have a hard time figuring out why he gets acting parts. <laughs> because he's awesome, obviously. Yeah, I do like him, but not in this. very good actually. I mean, I just... I sat there and I went, yeah, I know who this guy is. But there's nothing happening. Yeah, there and wasn't. It's supposed to be a great it, character actor, and there was nothing there. Sounds like Diablo three. Oh, that's not true. Diablo's awesome. Have you even played it? Do you even own a machine capable of running that? He's no. Got, no. He, I know the answer got, to that question. There's no yes, surprises I, here. <laughs> I played it with Rufio the other day. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> actually, actually, Diablo three is awesome. But having progressed through the end of Act one. Since we have last to week. make it a retraction. Okay. I believe last week Zombarian said that Deckard Kane would never die and that in ten years we would find out he was evil. Zombarian? Deckard Kane died. <laughs> Very emotional time for me, and y'all need to just leave me alone, okay? Was he evil? He was not. No, he was oh. awesome to the last. Oh. Awesome, awesome decoration. He, he was killed by a little fairy with dragonflies on her shoulders. But... Shut up! She was a witch <laughs> and she was evil, and he was killed by her minions who looked much tougher than her. Her Looks minions like who look much tougher than her, who you can kill eight of them with one shot. Yeah. Shush! <laughs> hey, I he was old. The man. He was like a million years old. You should have some respect. <laughs> oh my! I'm having. Oh. How do you How do you feel about finding finding out that Tyriel is immortal now? That's okay with me. You're fine with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. spoiler alert! By the Let's way, just spoiler all. Well, of this the was all a spoiler. <laughs> we just we said at the beginning. Oh. We've now progressed through Act Two. If you didn't want to hear it, you 
too bad. And Jimmy Hoffa's briefcase can be found. <laughs> in Whimsyshire, the unicorn level of Diablo 3. Oh my. I'm not actually joking, it exists. I went there last night. Yes. Wow. There is no sec- <laughs> there is no secret cow level, but there's a secret pony level. <laughs> this is true. Actually there's there's a cow king who's like, cow level, there is no cow level. Go to the pony level. <laughs> kind of. The cow king was also in Diablo too. I know. He really is evil. I know. Obviously, he thought of a pony level. How much more evil can you get? Anyway. Which brings us to this week's Facebook poll, in which we asked, who, tell us who do you think was sci-fi's best investigators? And it was, there were no ponies on the poll, I'm sorry to say. I don't think I answered this one, so I'm interested to hear who won. Okay, we actually had quite a few different, we actually had over 70 people vote, which was very cool. And we had quite a few people who put things up and then they didn't get votes. So we had quite a number to choose from. But out of our top three, number three was Batman. The Dark Knight Detective. Yes, because he's very investigative. Well, he is the world's greatest detective. That is his handle. Really? So. Yep. Yes, actually. When did that happen? Whether he's gay or not. In the comics. <laughs> that was always, yeah. The world's yeah. greatest was, detective comics was his that's original. That's started. Yeah. 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 I vote Before for Nick Fury. Anyway, keep going. No, he's not a detective. But that's... Not even there. It's fine. <laughs> number two. Number two was the everlasting Doctor Who. And I don't get that, but that's okay. Well, he, he does investigate Peter, things, really? I guess. You know, crimes Peter? happen, and he's like. You violated the something treaty. He, but he doesn't really investigate. He just kind of sees it and stops it. He's more like... I don't know. I think he does investigate. Who saves a baby from the running of the bulls. I think I think he <laughs> does investigate. I think I think the TARDIS... <laughs> it could be argued that the TARDIS uh, gives him some seven... cases. One of the models he used for Doctor Who after the 70s was Sherlock Holmes for him. Yeah. That's why they gave him the masters and emphasis. Yeah, the doctor works. Okay, I'll take so, it. So, so the winner this week. So the winner this week by is a landslide. by a landslide, and here we go to our old school fans again. No, was... you know, this is not an old school winner at all. I'm just I think it that. is. All right, just say not who it is. I'm let's, tired of the suspense. Let's find out who it is. It's Mulder and Scully, the X-Files. Ew. What? Do, 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 enough school. Do, 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 do. Anyway. Yeah. So old, that's old enough school to drink. Yeah. No. That's, that's way older enough school to drink. That's like... Here's old school. There were a cu- bunch of old school options in here. Carl Kolchak. Inspector that's Gadget? Old. Yeah, somebody put Inspector Gadget. Inspector yep. Gadget is the best inspector of all time. <laughs> Did anyone West put Inspector out. Space Time? No, no, but somebody put in Lige Bailey and our Daniil Oliva. Well, they're yeah. clearly the best. Thank you. That That's who the winner is right here. That's who it should have been, and I'm, I'm deeply depressed. They Readers? Like, oh, didn't they, Joan? <laughs> well, it doesn't always have to be a book win it can it can sometimes be other things 
And by the way, folks, you know, when you see that the option is, there's an option that says fringe division. Okay, fringe division means fringe division. You do not, please do not uh -huh. also write Olivia Dunham because, you know. Or Agent J. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. We, we, people were putting things down two and three times, and it's like, please don't do that. We love you guys, but, but that's why we look before you vote. How's that? Or vote and before you look, or look and vote. And don't vote under the influence. <laughs> <laughs> don't vote drunk. Anyway, no. <laughs> Walk softly and carry a big stick. Anyway, geeks don't let geeks vote drunk. I don't know. <laughs> I like that one. Thanks. Oh, my goodness. That was the poll. Yeah. So what are we talking about next, Dome? What? In, well, next, we're going to reintroduce our guest, Tony Diana, who's the director of the official film of Boston Comic Con's 2012, Attack of the Atomic Zombies. Tony, how you doing? It's fantastic. You guys are a lot right a second. <laughs> Yeah, we're 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 a strange brew. What can I tell you? And, and you knew brew? that. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was a great <laughs> we're very odd drink. drink. How much do you guys drink before you go on? Mm. Not enough. Some days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're aware of Attack of the Atomic Zombies because we pretty much sat next to you for two days at uh, Boston Comic Con Number One. You were our neighbors. Uh, we were, in fact, both neighbors at Boston Comic Con. We miss you, Underburbs. And... Underburbs forever. Sorry, Tony. That's okay. But um, we we got a lot of traffic listening to you guys talk about your movie and listening to you talk about the product and what you were doing. And a couple of us got to sneak in and see parts of the movie because we were working our booth at the same time that your uh, productions were going on. So talk to us a little bit about what the movie is how it got started. You're on. Okay. Attack of the Atomic Zombies was basically our love letter to B-movies. Um, me and my friend Steve, uh, we both like B-movies. Always have Ed Wood, um, all the Yay! classic nights, and so on and so forth. So we really um, got in our head, hey, just for the fun of it, let's, let's try to make a movie. Why not? Okay. So we spent the summer, spent four weekends filming, and we ended up with Attack of the Atomic Zombies. Uh, and the great thing about it was um, I basically used my friends and family to make the film. Now, the also benefit of that is that me and my wife also run a uh, theater group here in town, have for the last 20 years, so we had some acting chops behind us, so that is actually an advantage. So my guess is you sat down for weeks and weeks putting a script together, casting people, doing all the, the, the heavy lifting prior to production? Well, yes and no. Um, there was no script for the film. The film How do you, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you do a film without a script? It's called improv, perhaps the most hardest thing to do in theater. But, um, <laughs> oh, theater joke, sorry. But, um, no, basically what I did was I wrote out a 2017 synopsis that was basically the framework of how the film should move along. In other words, each scene fed into the other, dictated what should happen so that basically you'd have the framework of a plot going along. And all the actors did was read the synopsis, got acquainted with their characters, returned on the cameras, and they went. As long as they got out the key ideas of the scene, then we could use them, and the film would have a sense of structure. So we didn't know what was going to come out of anybody's mouth. 
That's kind of scary, Tony. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Yeah, that's kind of really scary, don't you think? Well, we did multiple takes, but um, <laughs> we did do multiple takes. But you know, like I said, we you know, a lot of them had uh, theater background, so they had these sense of uh, improv or generating dialogue as you go. And that was sort of the fun of it and the challenge of it. And it, so, I don't know if you caught some of it, but I mean, you ended up some really hilarious results. You know, people work together; they have a sense of timing. They could throw a joke in, somebody could follow up with it, and just make some really funny scenes. So this took an entire summer to put together, shoot, and edit. How what was the time frame through there? The time frame was we came up with the idea in um, June, and then by July I had the synopsis done, and then August and September we shot, and I had it edited, scored, and done by October, late October. And where did you get the score material from? Um, I, I wrote all the music for this movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. so did, you write, did you write music before? Oh, yeah, I'm a composer by trade. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I write for um, whoever wants to hire me. Nobody really huge has done a couple of TV commercials, but I've also sold some of my music online to, like, CNN, some variety shows in Florida, and then I do um, a lot of independent movies that are circulated. So basically, this was essentially a back pocket project. Yeah, it was. It's got a really bizarre story. Believe it or not, the story was inspired by The Amazing Race, if you're familiar <laughs> with the TV show. Yeah. Yes. Is that a weird connection or what? Yes, explain that just a little bit if you could. <laughs> the story works like this. Me and my wife are huge fans of the TV show. So one summer, we got into our heads that we would put on The Amazing Race for our friends and family. So we put, sat down, put all the clues together, did an entire race, and we videotaped it. And after we were done, we edited it, add titles, music, the whole nine yards. We're like, oh, that was fun. So we started doing it every year. About two years ago on that race, um, after we were done filming it, me and Steve got together. We always put in fake commercials that had something to do with the race um, just to kind of fill up space in between the action. And one of the things I got in my head to do is like, oh, let's do an Amazing Race PSA. We'll do it like it's in the 1950s. Uh, so we filmed that, and I had some nice filters on my um, computer that make it look all old and scratchy. And after it was done, that's where we got the idea. It's like, let's make our own B-movie. Okay. That's pretty fun, actually. Yeah, yeah. Nobody has fun like us. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you um, called up your friends, you called up your families, family members, and said, all right, we're doing a movie. I need an insane doctor, and I need about 20 flesh-eating zombies. You in? Yeah, pretty much. Well, my wife was cast as Gail Arden, the lead. My daughter was cast as Mary, the town screamer. Uh, my friend Steve was cast as the, the, the male lead. Uh, my other friend Andrew was cast as the mad scientist, and the rest were just uh, other friends and families who filled in the parts. So, you got the movie. You've got it finished. Then what do you do with it? Well, after we did the, um, I did a private showing for the cast because they deserved to see the final product, obviously. Um, everyone was laughing and boring. I was like, wow, this thing is actually better than I thought it was going to be. I think we're on to something. So I started fishing out to different Comic-Cons to screen the thing just to get, so I can get a different reaction. And that's when I came, upon, uh, came across Boston Comic-Con. And we screened it there and... The audience, we had a full uh, packed house for both days of showing. People were laughing. Uh, 
roaring even the second night, they, the second showing, I remember people were actually yelling at the screen saying, no, don't do that, or clapping when certain things happened. It was, it was an amazing experience because I never expected it to go that direction, so it was very gratifying. And people were able to actually buy copies of the film at Boston Comic Con, as well as buy it on the website as well, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we just got picked up for distribution by Born Force Cinema, so now they'll be selling the film for us. Oh, awesome! That's Congratulations! Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, and we also uh, we eventually got our own IMDb page, which is very exciting for a lot of the people in the cast. They're like, I've always wanted to be IMDb, and I'm like, well, now you are. Enjoy. <laughs> you can look me up now. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> But, um, but we had a great crew, though. I mean, my friend Brian Stone, he's the guy who made um, all the props and creatures for the movie. He made the atomic pile, and he also made Fufu, who's the atomic creature. Um, he's, <laughs> he handled all that. Um, and then uh, Leanne, she was, like, basically my, my right hand for the entire thing. I mean, she was always there at every step, just double-checking me, helping me out with everything, it, just a really great bunch of dedicated friends, and we just had a blast making it, which is awesome. Nice. And not to mention, like I said, we, you know, all of us, a lot of us are B-movie fans, so a lot of the names of the characters are taken directly out of B-movies. We even put a couple lines from Ed Wood's film specifically uh, into it, like I said, just to pay homage to B-movies. Uh, a lot of little things that, like, hardcore B-movie fans would actually get, but the average viewer would kind of, like, chuckle at Example. Um, there's one scene in the mansion towards the end where our intrepid heroes are stuck there and the zombies are outside. Um, Patricia, who's played by Katie Lehman, she's sort of like the town sweetheart, but she's a scatterbrain. And as she's freaking out, she's going, but, but the zombies are out here. We're in here, and the doctor's downstairs, which is, of course, the rip from the line uh, from Plan 9 from Outer Space. Outer Space. You've ever seen where the... I remember his character. The pilot's talking to his wife, and the wife's like, but the UFOs are up there. The zombies are in the graveyard, and we're here. So That's we right. Up. Yeah, we tinkered with that line and put that in exactly. Um, matter of fact, our, share, our, our lead, his name is Sheriff Ed Woods. Oh, see, I didn't get to see the film yet, and I'm excited and, to um, see it as somebody who owns just about everything that Ed Woods ever done now. <laughs> What I, what I love is that another one of your characters is named Gail Arden. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, and also the evil scientist's name is Dr. Harry Housen. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and his, nice. Here's one. Here's a quiz for you. His assistant, his name's Torge. T-O-R-J. Oh, nice. <laughs> you, met, you know where we got Tor that J. from? Tor Johnson. Tor Johnson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. Like I said, there's a bunch of references like that throughout the whole movie, which makes it fun. Also, there's also an Easter egg built into the film, which is kind of fun. But you kind of got to watch it a few times to figure it out. The actual synopsis that I wrote, the 27-scene synopsis, we actually placed that in frame in several scenes. Um, oh. And if you, you can't miss it because the piece of paper on the very top of the page, if you look carefully, in bold letters, it says, Attack of the Atomic Zombies. <laughs> so we have to like on window sills, in people's pockets, on uh, cork boards. You know, just a few times throughout the film just because I wanted to build in an Easter egg. You know what? There's actually even an Easter egg on the IMDb page. Which yeah, I, I think I was... said up there about yeah. that. 
It's uh, the one under, in the quotes. <laughs> the quote by Sheriff Ed Wood. You're a oh. redhead? Nice. A redhead? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that headline's got a lot of play, too. No, in fact, the guy who, the guy who was showing the uh, film for us at Boston Comic Con, every time he'd see us, he'd be like that because his wife was a redhead. So he just kept going there. Oh, you're a redhead? Nice. It's pretty funny. <laughs> So where are you going from here now? Um, we're actually in pre-production for our next film. Um, is that we're actually taking a uh, sort of total turn on. We're going to attempt to do a dramatic piece. Um, it's called Time Quake, uh, sort of a sci-fi anthology piece. And the basic idea behind that is that we want to do basically four short sci-fi-related stories as seen through the eyes of two time cops. Um, so basically, they work at this time agency where the basic story is that, you know, we discover time travel in the 23rd century, but uh, it ended up causing a rip in the uh, structure of time and space. So an agency was placed, put in place to try to correct it. And these are the time agents who uh, we see all these stories through, but we're also going to end up tying all the stories together at the end in a fifth story. Hmm. So you already have some of these in your head, Tony, and what you want to do. Oh, I've wanted to make movies my entire life. That's one of the main reasons I got into music was um, I listened to Star Wars as a kid. The soundtrack took me away. Um, music of Danny Elfin, all, all those guys. I loved cinema music ever since I was a little kid. Matter of fact, one of the first cinema pieces I ever heard was actually the soundtrack to Fiddler on the Roof was done by John Williams. Um, I was totally blown away by it. So making movies is just like an inevitable extension of, of, of uh, what I do and what I like. So, Tony, how did you overcome the technical con the technical conflicts here? Um, you know, movie making, as we all know, is either a very cheesy, haphazard way or an incredibly expensive way to do things. And clearly, you did this for the love of doing it. And so, how did you get over the expenses? How did you handle, you know, uh, cameras and, and that kind of stuff? And um, Well, you know, believe it or not, we shot these on a couple of home video cameras. But the thing that really, and I, I just set it to a black and white filter, but the thing that really helped was, I don't know if you're familiar with a program called uh, Vegas Video? No, I'm not. But... Okay, it's basically a piece of video editing software, but it allows for what they call plugins or other filters you could use. And one of the filters that I have is called Misfire, and what it does is it replicates old, scratchy film. So that was really helped sell the look and feel of the, uh, the 1950s B-movie. The other thing we did was uh, just use a couple of tr simple tricks. Like, for example, um, if I wanted the film to appear like the uh, actual film was cut, I would just splice, splice it in the editing, and then I'd just insert a record pop sound to sound like the soundtrack clicked. And now, and now, <laughs> so the rea the reality is is that what might have cost ten years ago thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to put together was now essentially done with some some home video cameras and and a fairly good PC. Yeah, because the biggest expense in this movie, the only expense in this movie, was building the atomic pile, and that came in at about a little under six hundred dollars. Ooh. And that was about it. Uh, well, costumes picked up at a thrift store. 
Um, all Considering the, the price of plutonium right now, that's not bad for an atomic bomb. <laughs> I know, right? But wait till you see what it actually does in the film. So the entire movie, the doctor never actually uses it, except for once when he decides that um, everything he's done is his fault, so he decides to overload the atomic pile and do himself in. However, there's a different result. The film actually turns into color. <laughs> and all of a sudden, our, our heroes who are outside of the mansion are running, and they stop, and they all start screaming and freaking out because they don't know what color is. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. However, the, the great thing is um, my wife, who plays Gail Arden, the other great thing about her character is she's the only one who knows that she's in a B movie. Everyone else has no concept. She's the only one. So she'll actually refer to the camera as a window because the other characters don't see a camera, but she does. And other times the boom mic, uh, when it falls into shot, she's the only one who kind of pushes it away because she's the only one who's aware of it. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, she I has this great... Stuff. Yeah, she has this great scene at the end, which is brilliant, where the boom mic, because the boom mic song was kind of a running gag throughout the whole movie. But finally, at the end, during the big fight with all the zombies, the boom mic fights in, she screams, she grabs the boom mic and whacks the boom mic holder and knocks him unconscious. And then she breaks down and says, <laughs> what are you people doing? This is a B movie, and it's not a good one at that. What are you doing? And she just goes into this whole spiel about... Um, doesn't anyone realize that they're in a B movie? And why is she the only one who realizes that she's in a B movie? Is absolutely brilliant and hilarious. So you know, we 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 definitely played with the fourth wall and definitely broke some of the taboos just to kind of make fun of ourselves at the same time. So it, it made it even more fun. Sometimes the coolest stuff happens when you do stuff because you just want to do it and you just want to have agree. fun with it. And Tony, yeah. it sounds it sounds like you had a hell of a lot of fun with this. We did, and, and, and you know, I have to say the roller coaster is riding farther than I expected it to. I mean, even if it even if it ends tomorrow and, you know, it all falls apart, I had a great time, and I went further than I ever thought I could, especially with just a simple movie that we made to have fun with. And in the end, that's really all that matters, isn't it? You had fun doing it, and the product exactly. that you came out with was cool. Exactly, and... and and, and we all bond over it, and, and we all recall it, and we still talk about it to this day, and, and that's worth more than, than anything. The movie is called Attack of the Atomic Zombies. Tony Diane is the director. Thank you for joining us. It was the official film of Boston Comic-Con. X, where are we heading in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week we start planning Geek Week early with Kevin Harrington. Then on June 9th, Double Midnight's Pat Covey joins us for our annual GraniteCon special. Plus, <laughs> plus featured GraniteCon artist Karen Goslin on that show. Then on June 16th, you can judge a book by her covers. It's Boston Comic Con artist extraordinaire Anne Kane. And on June 23rd, you won't be disappointed by Daniel Bradford, Owen McKinder, and Tom Hall of Disappointing Monsters and R13. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Granite State Comic Con, Boston Comic Con, and of ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. 
Dome. I want to thank Tony Diana for joining us tonight. It was fun to hear about the uh, project attacking the atomic zombies, and we're looking forward to seeing what you come up with next. Ladies and gentlemen, we're done from the Revere Top and Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Brianna, and Grammar Girl, Zombrarian. Thank you, ladies. Ruby O! From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you, <laughs> Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Attack of the Atomic Podcast. Think about it. <laughs> Thank you, darling. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I know.